morning, church. It is wonderful to be with you today. Man, what a beautiful, beautiful thing we had. Uh, Sean, thank you so much. I don't know where you're sitting, but thank you for sharing your heart, and thank you for being that church. I mean, a couple things that happened even before I got up here, it just reminds me again and again why I love this church so much. I said this in first service, I'll say it again. A, A lot of churches will focus on Mission Sunday as a Sunday, right? For me, what I love about this church is every Sunday is a Mission Sunday. I mean, every Sunday. We get that. We raise the money on this thing. But this church is a sending church. I mean, you guys are going places all the time. This is something that you're living into on an ongoing basis. So thank you for modeling that. And thank you for being that church who receives people in a way that they literally experience Jesus. We give the glory to God for that. But I'm so grateful to you for letting that happen in your hearts and lives. I've so enjoyed doing this series on the Holy Spirit. We've got a few more weeks on this, but uh, one of my favorite things is just hearing the stories, hearing you tell each other, some people have shared with me, your experiences of how Holy Spirit has has worked in your life, like we're hearing uh, publicly as well in our communion times. Thank you for doing that. Like, do that more. Let's, Let's make this about what God's doing and share that with each other. If you're just joining us, we've been doing a series on the Holy Spirit, letting Jesus speak with His own words about the Holy Spirit he's sending to us. And we're taking one book of the Bible, the book of John, and just looking at the passages where Jesus himself speaks about the gift of his Holy Spirit. And we've looked at several things. We started a couple weeks ago in the section in the Bible really talks about Holy Spirit more than any other place in the Bible. And it's uh, John 14 through 16 in a section that's known as the farewell discourse because Jesus says these words the night before he dies. And we started a couple weeks ago. We're going to pick it up again today and listen to what Jesus has to say. If you have your Bibles or devices, we're going to look at verse, uh, chapter 16. We skipped over one part we'll come back to uh, on Mission Sunday. But uh, we're going to look at uh, uh, chapter 16, 4b, <laughs> which means the second part of 4. As you know, the Holy Spirit did not inspire the numbers uh, that we put in there. So I'm going to start in the, in, um, in the middle of that verse. Um, the background of what's going on here is that Jesus has just warned them that the same people that are going to attack and put him on a cross are going to attack them too. And he said these people that are hyper-religious Jewish people that are rejecting Jesus are going to throw them out of the synagogue, which was their communal life existence. They're going to throw them out, and and some of them are going to get killed. So Jesus said some pretty sobering words, and then we're going to pick up there with his leading into the discussion of the paraclete, the walk beside her Holy Spirit. Uh, So would you please stand out of respect for God as we read John 16, the gospel of our Lord, John 16, verse 4. You'll see the words on the screen. When I finish, we just say this as as an act of gratitude to the God who speaks. After Jesus gives this warning, he says, verse 4, I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you're filled with grief because I've said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the paraclete, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he he comes, he will convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. 
This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Please pray with me. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I think the setting of what Jesus is talking about here reminds us of something we've all experienced, that we are all vulnerable, and we're vulnerable in ways that sometimes we're not even aware of. We're all vulnerable about some of the most important things in our lives. One of the ways that I see this is through one of my favorite entertainers. He's still um, on the list. They rank these things, top five magicians and illusionists in the world. His name is David Blaine. He's been around for a while, but I still love some of his earliest stuff. He's done some amazing illusions and, and, and things that he does, like physical feats as well. But I like some of his early stuff, so I want to share a clip with you, a, three, a brief clip of three uh, 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 quick experiences he has with people using uh, one of his early tricks of levitation. Now, when you watch this, I want you to pay a special close attention to the reactions of people to the illusions he gives. Take a look. Can you see my feet? Don't move, why? Hold, here, come, come over here, X. Hold your hands like this just in case I come back. Here, stand, stand, yeah, but maybe cl close over here together, yeah. It's like that. Yeah, just stay kind of close, ready? Here we go. All right, I, I don't think I'll land on you guys. Hold on, watch. Here we go. Be careful. I don't know, I don't know if I'll be able to get off, man. Ready? Just if I fall, just catch me, man. Do you want to see something that I find a little bit strange? Sure. You don't find this strange? <laughs> this I mean, I do. What I find strange is an ability. Stand close in, to the, together in case I fall over. the reaction to this? Yeah, it, it, it shows, just the reaction shows how vulnerable that we can be because look, they know you're not supposed to be able to do this, but did you hear the things they say? He's floating, like Deion Sanders runs away from him. And somebody else in the interview after they said, oh, he's got some spiritual power. Uh, one of my favorite reactions, not in this clip, but he, uh, 
he, he goes to the house of Han Solo, Harrison Ford, right? And he goes there and he does a card trick where uh, Ford picks out a card and then he cuts open a, a brand new orange, cuts it open, the card's in there. And, and Harrison Ford like nervously laughs for a moment and then with all seriousness he said, get out of my house. <laughs> It's just a harmless trick, and yet what it tells us is that we're vulnerable in ways we don't even know, and Jesus is aware of this when he is speaking into their lives about the gift of the Holy Spirit the night before he dies. And what is this vulnerability that Jesus wants us to be aware of? Look, he wants the world to know that we are blind to the deepest truths about life. On our own, Jesus wants us and the world to know that we are blind to the most important things and realities of life. It's like this image of the iceberg that we've seen this in so many ways. But what we see up here is not even the beginning of most of what's going on and the most important things that are going on in God, in ourselves, and in the world. Jesus says you're blind to this. In fact, it's interesting, in verse 5, he says something here that if you're reading closely in the book of John before, it's going to sound odd. In verse 5, he says, I'm going to him who sent me. I'm going to the Father, but none of you ask me, where are you going? Again, if you've read the book of John closely, you're going to say, hold on, somebody did ask that. Right after the, the, the command Jesus gives, the new command that I give you in John 13 to love one another, he says, I'm going to a place and you can't come with me. And he's talking about the most important thing about God, the love of God, and then the promise of the Holy Spirit, and they're not paying attention to any of that. Peter asks the question in John 13, where are you going? So what's Jesus talking about here? He's not saying you literally didn't ask me. He said you are so caught up in your stuff that you're not seeing the big picture of what I'm trying to talk about, the love of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, here's a way to think about this. In this section, like good religious people can be blinded to the deep truths of God, and those who set themselves up as enemies of God or opponents of the way of God, they also can be blinded in different ways. Uh, Jesus here in this conversation with them is saying, look, I know you kind of asked the question, but you didn't really ask the question. In the next verse, he says, you're filled with grief. The two dominant things that the disciples, the good religious people are wrestling with in this whole section are fear and grief. By the way, I want to be very clear what I'm about to say. Nothing wrong with those emotions. In fact, they're a gift. Fear is not a bad thing. It's a gift. It tells you something's wrong. Nothing wrong with grief. We need to process that and get it out. But it is possible to take whatever emotions that we're going through and take them to a toxic place too. Fear taken to a toxic place is called chronic or toxic anxiety. And that can dominate your life. Grief, natural, good, process it. Taken too far can become bitterness or self-pity. And Jesus says it's possible for good religious people to be so immersed in their stuff, they don't see, his word here, the good that God is doing even right here in the moment. It's for your good that I'm going away. And they miss that. Good people miss it. Enemies of God, not, not because God doesn't like them, because they've set themselves up as opponents of the way of Jesus, they are blind in a different way. Well, we'll see another example in, in a moment, but the most famous example in the book of John, in chapter 18 and chapter 19, is Pilate. By all accounts in his world, an incredibly powerful and influential man. And he's blind. What you find in chapter 18, two statements that he makes, chapter 18 and chapter 19, shows this. Chapter 18, Jesus is standing in front of them, and Pilate knows 
that what they're saying isn't true. Jesus is innocent. Pilate knows this. And he has the power to set him free. But he also sees the intensity of the attack of the people and the voice of the people that say, we're going to take him to the cross. And he's all stirred up and all that. And so Pilate asks this really powerful question only recorded in the book of John. Have you heard it before? You know what he asks? What is truth? He's blind because Jesus tells us just two chapters before this who truth is. In the book of John, truth is not an idea or a set of facts. Truth is a person. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14. Truth is standing in front of him, and he does not see him. You can be blind to the most important things in the world. The next chapter, three words that Pilate says are profound. He brings Jesus out in front of all the people, decides to wash his hands of it and let Jesus die. Jesus beaten, bloodied with the crown of thorns, the king of kings with a crown of thorns on his head. And he says three words in Greek and in English and in Latin. They become famous even outside of the Bible. He says, behold the man. Just taste that for a moment theologically. Pilate, pointing to Jesus, says, Behold the man. In the Greek, it's not the male. It is the anthropos, anthropology, the human being. Pilate speaks more truly than he even begins to know when he says, Take a look at the true, real, authentic representation of what it means to be human. Here is the guy. And he's blind to the very words that he says. Jesus says we are so vulnerable to the illusions of this world, we miss out on the most important things that God is doing in us and around us and in the world. It's possible to miss things right in front of your face. Let me give you a couple of examples. One's deeper and a little more intense. One's a little more lighthearted. Start with a deeper one. My first campus ministry was in Virginia, and we were doing work there, and a bunch of students I knew really well. And there was one guy that was, we'll call him Alan, that's not his name, Alan connected with us some, uh, but not a whole lot. And then Alan moved across the country. After he left, he married a young lady I never had a chance to meet. He married her. And then a few years later, his wife called me. Never met her before, didn't know anything about her. She called me and she said, Alan used to talk about his experience in the campus ministry back at your church. And he talked about you with respect. He respected you and your voice. She said, I just called you to see if you could call him and talk some sense into him. I said, What's going on? She said, Alan has told me he has all but decided to divorce me and leave me for another woman. Can you, can you call and talk to him? And I was like, I, I grieved with her and I'm so sorry. And I called. And this is what Alan said to me. Alan said, my girlfriend and I prayed about this. And I'm convinced, I have this sense inside of me, I'm convinced that God told me to leave my wife and marry this woman. Now listen to me, I'm not throwing judgment at you. Listen, we've all been lied to by the enemy. I just hate the enemy's work. But here's what I said. Look, you guys know me. I'm not a certainty guy. I'm a live in the mystery of God guy. But I said, I said Alan, let me tell you something. I, I have no doubt whatsoever that you sensed something in you when you prayed. I have no doubt that you heard that. But I can tell you one thing with certainty and definity. That was not the voice of God. Because the Holy Spirit of God has already spoken definitively on that subject. This is helpful for us 
not just Alan and the Allens of the world. It's helpful for us as we're talking about being led by the Holy Spirit and listening to the voice of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you one thing, and we'll unpack this more in future sermons, but let's just be really clear about this. Holy Spirit will never contradict what the Holy Spirit said already in the Scripture He inspired and breathed in the first place. Do you hear me? There are certain things we do need to discern and understand what the right judgment is and the Holy Spirit will guide us in that. But there are certain things you don't have to discern. You don't have to ask because the Holy Spirit has already spoken definitively on the topic. Does that make sense? All right, a more lighthearted example. I remember uh, Melanie and I had been married for a few years and we found out she was pregnant with our first child. At that, we didn't know it was a daughter yet, but she was pregnant with uh, Christine. And it was several months before this, and I got a phone call. I was just talking with some friends about it. I took a wonderful trip up to the Northeast. I got a call from a friend who said, I'd love you to come up and do a retreat in Vermont. I'm like, I've never been to Vermont as far as I know. And especially like in the summer months, I'm like, it'd, be, it'd be awesome to be up there. Everybody else is burning up. We go up there. I would love to do this. So tell me when it is. And he said, June 1st. I said, great. Let me, let me talk to Melanie about this because... Her due date is June 22nd, baby, or was it 21st? It was like June 22nd, I think. She'll correct me on this. All right, some of you are already laughing already. So, I mean, be patient with me. I'm a guy, right? I was young. Okay, so over three weeks later, I'm thinking, this, this is all right, right? So I said, let me talk to my wife, and I'm going to go discern with my wife. And I tell her about this. It's a great opportunity to go up there. I'd love to see this place, do a retreat for this buddy of mine I haven't seen in a while. This will be great. And I, you know, I should have sent something on her face, but she's so sweet, she's so kind, and she's like, well, maybe, maybe, let's, we'll just pray on it. <laughs> but, but I thought I was being super noble, too, by the way. I was saying, all right, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. I didn't know, I don't know, that's like manipulative, but I didn't know that. It's like, whatever you tell me to do, honey, I will do for you. I really want to go, but whatever you want to do, okay. I was stupid, all right? Anyway, so the next day I go and I'm hanging out with like six campus ministers that we do a retreat together with, all of whom except for one had children. And I just threw it out to them. I thought, hey, can you help me discern on something? I got this opportunity to go speak. Um, and, uh, you know, do you think I should go? Before I got the words out of my mouth, like one of them even stood up. No, what do you think of it? Of course not. So I came back, and I still remember I came in and I said, look, there's no discernment, honey. I'm not going to go, and I could see the relief on her face. By the way, I forgot to tell this in first service. Guess when our daughter was born? May 26th. <laughs> Good choice. Here's the thing. When we're discerning the voice of God, we can be so blind to something right in front of our face, and sometimes Holy Spirit will speak through where he's already spoken in Scripture. I promise you, sometimes Holy Spirit will speak through the sanctified imagination and wisdom of spirit dwelled people. Does that make sense? I never trust. You may listen to the voice of God. I'm never going to trust somebody who says, me and Jesus under tree said this. Do you hear me? You take discernment, if it's one that requires discernment, to the people of God and they will help you discern, especially the people that know you best. But do you hear what I'm saying? It is so easy to be blind to the most important things in our lives. In fact, what Jesus says, here's the real sobering truth. There is a kind of blindness that can kill you. Do you hear me? There's a, that's kind of funny. There's a, kind, there's a kind of blindness that we're not even seeing something that will take us out. It will steal your life. And I know sometimes we turn off when a preacher says this, but follow me on this. The, the Bible calls this thing sin. Now understand, I've said it before, let me say it again. Sin is not little things you do that were breaking God's rules. 
Sin is a condition of the human heart. By the way, we're all born into this condition and then we participate with it. It's a condition of the human heart that says, God, you were designed to be the center of my being, but I'm moving you out and I'm going to run my own show. That's sin. Do you understand it? It's a heart condition. It's a spiritual heart disease that says, I can run my own life or I'll let somebody else run my own life. This person that I care about is going to make the decisions for me or even my preacher or my religion is going to be the center instead of you. Does that make sense? Sin is the condition of putting anything else at the center of your being, the throne of your life, the driver's seat of your life other than God. Or to use an image we used before, it's filling yourself up or trying to, your bucket, the center of your being with anything other than God first. And Jesus says, this will kill you. And we're blind to that fact. Here's the way to think about it. What does he say that sin is in the book of John makes it really clear? In this, uh, you know, kind of one of the most well-known verses in the book of John, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his one one and only son. Whoever believes in him will have life that never ends, eternal life. We'll talk about that more in a second. Here's the thing. The central sin, the way that it describes this sin in the book of John, is refusing or rejecting to let Jesus drive your life. Does that make sense? That is sin in the book of John. Now, why, why is that the case. He goes on to say that we read John 3.16 all the time. We don't keep reading. God did not send, verse 17, his son into the world to condemn the world. Can we hear that in churches? God did not send Jesus to condemn. That's not the point. But to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is in the life of God, is not condemned. But listen to this. Wisdom. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they haven't believed in the one who gives them life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, God doesn't have to throw lightning bolts down from heaven. He's not a cosmic cop. What he's saying is that life is found in Jesus. So if we're in Christ, you have life. If you're outside of Christ, he doesn't have to say anything. You don't have life. Does that make sense? That's what sin is. Stepping out of the very life of God. And his point is to give us life that does not end. Eternal life. I gave this image before in one of the first series I ever preached, but I want to come back to it again. Some of you aren't here, but this is so important. I want you to see it again because it fits beautifully with what Jesus goes on to say. So I'm going to take it a step further. Uh, We did it physically uh, where we got a bouquet of flowers and I put it up here on the podium. This time I'm just going to give you an image of it. But in first and second service, I put the bouquet up there and I had people describe it to me before I got up to preach. And people said things like colorful and vibrant and, uh, and, and diverse and beautiful and all that stuff. But if you were here, you'll help the other people that weren't. You'll remember what I said. I said, all the people I asked the question did not describe it in the most important way that we need to understand these flowers. Those that were here remind us as loud and proud, what is true about these flowers right now? They're dead. As beautiful as they are, the moment they were severed from the roots in the ground, they were dead. You just don't see it yet. Jesus said, you were created to have life in the image of God. I am the image of God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you're separate from me, you're dead already. One chapter before this moment, what does he say? John 15, verse 5. Different image, but it's the same thing. I am the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, some people might say, I can make a lot of money without you, Jesus. I can get a great relationship. I can have a lot of fun without you, Jesus. Listen to me. Jesus came to give you life, 
that never ends. And I can promise you, whatever you can accomplish on your own, which you can't even do that because in him you have life and breath and everything else, but let's put that aside for a moment. Whatever you can accomplish on your own, two things will be true about it. One, it will not give you life. It will not make you come alive. And secondly, it will not last. I came to give you eternal life and life most abundantly. We cut ourselves off from Jesus. We're dead already. Do you hear me? There is a kind of blindness in our life that kills us. And Jesus is begging us to go a different way. And this is the moment where we say, thanks be to God, not just for writing in Scripture, but thanks be to God for sending the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. What is the work of the Holy Spirit here? Now, Lori, apologize because I changed my title yesterday because, you know, I'm always tinkering, all right? So I was originally kind of, I was going to give you an image. Don't put it up yet. I was gonna, don't put it up yet. I was going to give you an image. <laughs> I know. Come on, man. We're dancing here. Dance with me, bro. I was going to give an image, and I had a bunch of people say, now, what's your, what's your image that you're going to give uh, where you're going to go get it? I can't put it on the stage. Okay, I was going to do a, an MRI machine, a spiritual MRI. I was actually thinking about some of you, and I was saying this, but, but here's the thing. First of all, two things. First of all, MRI is kind of negative because you never go in there for a good reason. Secondly, most importantly, it's too static. So, sorry, it was, used to be spiritual MRI. Then I was, I'm driving, like, because I, we got, I had a football game yesterday in Austin, Texas, at uh, 5.30 at night. So I'm like, okay, Lori, I'm going to get all my PowerPoint, 90% of it done before I go. I got my sermon all ready. And I might have been, might have pulled it up on my phone and like preaching out of my notes to the empty car. Car repented like 10 times. It was awesome. So I, <laughs> I get to this point in the sermon. I was like, it just didn't feel right. That's why I always tinker. Like spiritual MRI. And this is the image that came to my mind. State of the art, naval submarine. Is this awesome? Yes, you may put it there. This, this is awesome. Here's the thing I think about. It's, first of all, Holy Spirit's always on the move. What are these state-of-the-art, naval submarines, the submarine of the soul? What do, what do they do? They plunge into the depths of things we cannot see. And they help us discover things down there. They plunge down into the depths and they protect us from an enemy we cannot see. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Jesus says, here's his word in verse 8. The Holy Spirit convicts the world. The Holy Spirit exposes the deep truths of the world, another translation. The Holy Spirit will show us what we cannot see otherwise. And the conviction can go two ways. The conviction can be, for those open to it, a conviction that says, oh my goodness, yes, that's what I've been waiting for my whole life. The conviction can also expose how blind we are. Let me be really clear about this, though, by the way. The conviction of the Holy Spirit. Sean, you did such a beautiful job of sharing this. The conviction of the Holy Spirit always leads to life. If you hear a conviction in your life that says you're a worthless human being and you don't belong or whatever, that is not the voice of God. The conviction of the Holy Spirit says that's not who you are. You may be going the wrong way, but you can always come to me to have life. Do you understand that? Holy Spirit convicts the world. He plunges to the depths of of God and reveals what we cannot see. He plunges to the depths of my own heart and reveals what I cannot see. He plunges to the depths of the broken world and reveals what we cannot see. Isn't that beautiful? I want to give you an image of this because you see it happen throughout the book of John. What does he do for Nicodemus? He plunges the depths of Nicodemus who is blind by a religious system that boxes Jesus out and the Holy Spirit works on until the end of the book he comes to Christ. What does he do for the Samaritan woman? He comes and plunges the death of this, depths of this woman who is blind by her relationships because she thinks that in her human relationships that she won't let go of, 
to fill her up that she's going to get filled. And instead she's parched and she's dry and she's empty. And Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, leads her to this place where she changes. I did this on Wednesday night to discover it. I'm going to try to do this quickly. But have you ever done something like you're realizing in the moment it's so much more powerful than you even thought about? I, all I did was read in John chapter 9. And this is what hit me. I'm going to kind of skim through this real quick. Jesus encounters a man who was blind from birth. Now, here's the thing. We've heard the verses where Jesus says to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know what hit me as I'm reading this? Follow me on this. If you want to know the Holy Spirit better, let's not just look at verses that talk about him. You know what Jesus says? If you see me, you'll see the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? That's what he meant in chapter 14 where he says the Holy Spirit's been with you this whole time. Soon he's going to be in you, but he's already been with you this whole time. Listen to me. Jesus didn't play the God card. He emptied self as a human being. And he did no miracles, nothing, until the Holy Spirit directed everything he did. Hear me. He's fully God, but he's also fully human, which meant he did nothing without the Father or the Holy Spirit making it happen. John 12, every word Jesus says, every word I say is just what the Father told me to say. Luke 5, the Spirit of the Lord was on Jesus to heal the sick. Jesus, the man, could heal no one. This is not heresy. This is Trinity. Jesus, the man, could heal no one. He emptied himself. He surrendered fully to the direction of the Holy Spirit. If you want to know what it looks like to let the Holy Spirit lead your life, just read through the Gospels and ask that question. So let's do this quickly. How does the Holy Spirit convict? Follow us. John 9. Jesus went along. He saw a man blind from birth. How did he know to heal this guy, not other people? Jesus didn't heal every person he came to. There's certain places he couldn't, it says, do miracles there because they didn't have any faith to open up to the Holy Spirit. How did he know? He saw a man. And I believe the Holy Spirit said, here's the guy. He goes on to say a verse or two later, this is all happening because of the work of God. The work of God might be displayed in this man's life. And then Jesus does weird stuff. Isn't this great? In John 9, like how does he heal? Different people, different ways. He spits on the ground, sticks mud on the dude's face. That's really weird. And he go wash in the pool of Siloam. We talked about that before. He washes in that place where they took the water from a few weeks ago. We talked about the verbs of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. You want to see blindness and the work of the Holy Spirit. The neighbors and those, verse 8, who formerly saw him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to beg? Listen to me. Some claimed it was. Some? He was blind from birth. Listen to this. Others said, no, he only looks like him. What? He himself insisted, I'm the man. It's me. And they're a miracle just happened. They don't see it. Then how were your eyes open? The man they call Jesus. Watch this guy's movement. Watch the Holy Spirit with this, work with this dude. He doesn't know. The man they call Jesus. I don't know this guy. Made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam, wash. I washed, then I could see. Where's the man? I don't know. <laughs> this is great. I don't know. Who's this guy? By the way, don't you love Jesus? Jesus heals him, changes his life, and then just walks away. Watch me. What did we say several weeks ago? The Holy Spirit will plant things in your life, and it'll feel like he leaves, but he hasn't. Jesus is working. Watch the way the Holy Spirit works in Jesus. I know you've read this story before. You've never read it as, maybe you have, as a, as a beauty of the Holy Spirit. Then, ah, enter the Pharisees. Can, you can always count the Pharisees. Verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been, been blind. Now, what was the problem with the healing? Even if you haven't read it, you can guess. The problem was, it was Saturday. Oh, Jesus didn't follow the rules. By the way, he's brilliant. He knew what he was doing. He was poking them a little bit, not to be mean, to open their eyes. 
Therefore, the Pharisees asked how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes. The man replied, I washed that man, and, and I now see. And some of the Pharisees said, said this man is not from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. <laughs> he didn't follow the rules. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? They were divided. So then they turned again to the blind man. What do you have to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened, and he said, I don't know, he's a prophet. Do you see the Holy Spirit moving him? For, I don't know, some dude they call Jesus. I don't know where he's from. Now he's a prophet. Watch this, powerful. They still didn't believe, you ready for this? That he'd been blind. Did you see that? They still didn't believe he was blind and received a sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? Is this the one you say was born blind? He was faking it for 30 years. <laughs> the story's comical, and then it's not how easy it is to be blind. Now look at the blindness of good people who are afraid. We know he's our son, the parents answered. We know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. We're out. <laughs> the next verse, it says, listen to this. Don't judge him too fast. They had two words. Already decided that whoever claimed Jesus was Messiah was going to be kicked out of the synagogue. Didn't mean they just left church and went to another church. To be kicked out of the Jewish synagogue was to be disconnected from life and community and everything else. This guy, the parents were afraid of being empty and lonely and disconnected. So they didn't speak up for him. Second time they summoned the man. It's comical, isn't it? And it's not. The second time they summoned the man. Give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man's a sinner. <laughs> and watch this guy. Watch the Holy Spirit start empowering unlikely people to testify. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know was wine. I can see now. <laughs> Love this guy. You don't have to testify what, what you don't know. Testify what you do know. Here's all I know. I'll tell you that. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I told you already and you didn't listen. I love this. Watch the movement. See the Holy Spirit before? I don't know this guy. Some dude named Jesus. Don't know where he is. Watch this. Why? Do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? He's on the pathway, folks. He's going to be a disciple who's going to make other disciples. He's doing it as he speaks. Isn't that powerful? Then, it's funny, but it's not funny. It hurts, doesn't it? Because you've seen this happen in my life, in the lives of people you care about. Then they hurled insults at him. We've heard those words before. You are this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We're the true church. We've got the doctrine down. We know it. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Feel the boldness of the Holy Spirit as this man responds now. The man answered, now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know, pause, how did he know anything about the Bible? Here's what's so ironic. Where did he learn it? From these dudes he's talking to right now. Don't you hate it, parents, when your kids quote you back to them? That's what happens right here. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, they, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth and they threw him out. Can't deal with the argument, so they just got rid of the person. They get out of the space. Do you see the Holy Spirit working? Some responding, some not. Here's how it ends. I know this is long, but man, this is so powerful to look at the work of the Holy Spirit. Gosh, it gets me every time I get it. Watch for it in your life. 
when the time is right and when you need it most, what happens? Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and Jesus found him. Jesus found him. This moment, he thought he was going to be empty. He thought he was going to be alone. All he knew is, I'm going to stand up for God in this moment. When you step out of that relationship you shouldn't be in, you step out of that direction you're going in your life, you think you're going to be empty. Holy Spirit says, that's the moment. Jesus is going to come and find you. Don't ever say you found God. He found you. He planted the seed in you in the first place, and he showed up at the right moment for you to see him. He found him. And that's when he said, you believe in the Son of Man? You believe in the Messiah? You believe in the one they've been talking about? And I love the heart of a man open. By the Holy Spirit, he said, can you tell me who he is and I'll believe. And he said, he's talking to you. He fell down and did what all of us should do. He worshipped him. That's what it looks like when the Holy Spirit works. And Jesus gives that stern warning at the end. The guy you thought was blind isn't because he admitted he couldn't see. And he needed the submarine of the soul and he came in. Those who are in danger are the ones that think they can see. They don't admit they're blind. They think they can do it all on their own and they can't. I'll end with this. Does the Holy, that's, that's in the past. Does the Holy Spirit do this still? Ever heard of the name Leah Labresco? Have you heard of this lady before? She was atheist's favorite voice. She was a blogger, brilliant woman. Like, she did math for fun. She, like, did math for I know some of you do that, too. She, like, brilliant lady. She does math for kicks instead of when you have to do it. Atheists loved her until she shocked the whole world in 2014 when she gave her life to Jesus Christ. And she talked about what brought her there. And she said, I had two great things that I struggled with in my life. Number one is that I believed that there was no God. Secondly, there was this sense in me, though. Her words, transcendent virtue and morality. Like there was something bigger than me, some higher force that was saying there's a right and wrong in the universe and I can't explain it and I can't understand it. In fact, the way she described it was so powerful. It was like similar to stuff in the book of John. Don't go to the quote yet. It was stuff in the book of John. What, what she said was, I had this sense that there is, listen to this language, a way of life that is supposed to be embodied. <laughs> We're studying John. Isn't that awesome? Atheist. Had a sense that there's a way of life that should be embodied in some way. Now I'll put up the first quote. This is powerful. She said, though, it was through my conversations with friends who were followers of Jesus that I recognized the God they were talking about. Watch how the Holy Spirit works. He'd been working on her for a long time, planting, doing stuff, mud on the eyes, didn't quite see. But when I heard spirit-filled people talk about God, it sounded familiar to me. Where did she know about this God? She'd never been to church. Hmm. I recognized they were talking about, the guy they were talking about is a type of God I had been creeping up on without even noticing it. He found her. He found her. Favorite part of the quote. The more I thought about it, religious church people need to hear this from the atheist turned Christian. The more I thought about it, the more I thought morality, virtue seemed less like a distant rule book. It's not a rule book, <laughs> but more like what? An animating spirit. Who brought her on a journey from arguing brilliantly against any place of faith to sensing there was some transcendent higher power in the world and then all of a sudden hearing somebody testify about Jesus and saying, whatever I was experiencing, that's who it is. Who did that? The Holy Spirit of the living God, the paraclete. 
who stands ready to do that in your heart for the things that he wants to reveal to you and for those people you love so dearly that you are praying for and hope that they get it too. That's what our God does. And don't you praise him for it? It's what we do, Father God. Thank you for sending the gift of your glorious, incredible Holy Spirit to open our eyes to things we would never see otherwise. Thank you for it not being a condemning spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for not coming to condemn the world. We are full of that, but coming to give us life. So we pray that you empower us to hear the words of life and to come to you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And seeing.